ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench, and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to soulfulmbapodcast.com slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, episode 148. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hi, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So this episode is a really fun one that we do just about every year, and it's 2019 A Year in Review. So we're going to go through some of the highlights that we had throughout 2019 in terms of our lives and business. And then we have a special announcement at the end of this podcast. So we hope you will stay tuned. All right, let's just go. Let's just dive in. Should we dive in? Yeah. Yeah. So this episode is where we go through our favorite books and favorite podcasts and favorite Netflix shows and top purchases and top investments in our business and kind of all of these best of things that happened last year that we made decisions about last year. And it's nice, actually, because we typically do this one in December, like we record this in early December. So to record this in early January is kind of nice because it really encompasses the full year. And I know that some of my favorite things happened in January when we both took kind of a few weeks break for the holidays where we were semi offline. So that's always good to incorporate into this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I know we're a little late to the game with the year in review, but I think it's still going to be super worthwhile for everyone. Super relevant. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and dive in. Favorite books. Let's start with books. That one is really easy for me. I have two. So I have a fiction and a nonfiction. So my favorite fiction book that I read this year was The Great Alone, which is this amazing fictional story about this family right after the Vietnam War that moves to this remote community in Alaska and tries to live off the land, but the father in the home is suffering from PTSD. And it's a really tragic, very hard, 
emotionally hard to read story, but I just in the darkness of December and sort of being really sick for most of that month and kind of offline, I felt really drawn to the story and it was really worth a read. I don't typically find myself drawn to sad, dark (laughs) stories, but this was beautifully written and I finished it weeks ago and I can't stop thinking about Mm, it. Those are the best kind of books. Yeah. I wanted to stay immersed in the story. Yeah. I've not heard of that. I'll have to check it out. That sounds interesting. Do you want to do your second one? Sure. So the second one is a book we've talked about on the podcast already, and it's called Start Finishing. So this is more of a business book focused on productivity. I'd say this is the best business book I read in 2019. And there's so many books about like goal setting and getting started and being creative and the creative process. And this book is really tactical about how to finish something that you take on and how not to take on too many things at once, which I think for many of us who are entrepreneurs, we're really drawn to taking on way too many projects and we get so excited and we have shiny object syndrome. And this book is the antidote to that. So I have it dog-eared and post-it note noted and all kinds of notes written in it. And it's something that I imagine I'm going to return to to keep myself on track in 2020. I ordered it and I have not read it. I read the first couple of pages, but it does look really good. And it is a book that you want to have like the physical copy, right? Yes. Yeah. I made the mistake of getting the audible version first. And I kind of listened to the whole thing while I was doing other stuff and was like, I did not retain, you know, 30% of this book by listening to it. So then I ordered the hard copy. It's a beautiful book too. I love like it's got lots of great quotes in it from thought leaders. It's one of those books that you just kind of want to have around. It's not something that you would read and then give away. Like you want to keep it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one you need the physical copy of. So yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into that. And then we might be doing some podcasts around that topic. We're bringing it into the work of our inner circle. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what about you? What was your favorite book this year? So I didn't read very much this year, which is really unlike me. So 2020, more books are going to happen. But I think the best book that I read was The Testaments by Margaret Atwood. There, obviously, you know that The Handmaid's Tale was written like 1985 or something. And then Netflix did that, or not Netflix, but a television series that they made. And I thought it was so interesting how like the series went beyond the book. And then Margaret Atwood wrote the second book, even though like the TV had already gone beyond her story. So I think it's such a I just was so curious about how she was going to not be influenced by what she saw on TV on her own story and how she would, you know, do this second book. And then, of course, you know, she won the the, the Booker Prize for it. And it was just so cleverly done. And I I just I loved it into the issue. So she wrote it into the future, like 15 years after The Handmaid's Tale took place. So I thought it was so smart. Just and such good writing, obviously. Yeah, I read a New Yorker article about that book, but didn't actually read that book this year. So that's on my list for this year. I have a book a week goal in 2020 because I also have embarrassingly gotten behind on reading. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I've been reading like since mid, early to mid December, like one or two books a week. And I'm just so much happier to like not be looking at a screen and I'm I'm not doing Kindle. I'm focusing on getting the hard books like from the library or you know just ordering them or getting them from my local bookstore cuz there's just something about holding the book yeah, and not being on a screen that's so important to me right now. Although, I mean, here in Canada we have the Kobo, but I do like cuz it's not connected to anything else, right? Like so I do I read the Testaments on my Kobo and it was like, you know, like the newspaper print screen, whatever, like the color yeah. of. Yeah. And I would not read anything on my iPad or my iPhone or yeah. no, 
But yeah, there's still something really special about holding a book in your hand. I love it. And I love that I can like make little notes and fold parts pages down. And I'm one of those people that kind of destroys books. And I don't care because I I love coming back to them later and then seeing what caught my attention. Like I often will revisit portions of books. Like I, if I can't get them out of my head and especially nonfiction or business books, and then I'll be so surprised at what I had highlighted or dog-eared. Like, hmm, why did I what do that? What was important then? Yeah. 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 Okay. Next category is best Netflix show. What did you watch that you loved? Okay, so I don't I'm not going to give a Netflix show because I think this category should be expanded to include Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus sure. and all of the things. So, I chose The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know if you <gasps> watched it. I just finished it. I <gasps> so loved good. it. Yeah, I loved it. I watched the first two seasons over the summer like I missed it when it when those were launched I didn't watch. And yeah. then I just finished the third one that had come out in December. I love it. It's like my fa- one of my favorite She's things I've ever seen. She's so funny. And I don't know who that actress is, or I've never seen her or heard of her. And she's the only one that can play that. Yeah. No, that she's can deliver those gifted, lines. For sure. And I'm fascinated by the writers. Like they have to write a TV show, but they have to write in like stand-up comedy into it and make it work. Like, like it's from so good. The, the 60s and the 50s, right? Like that's crazy. Right, from a female Jewish yeah woman who they just don't do comedy. Her mom, her mother thinks she's a prostitute. Like she does not understand what comedy is. So funny. Yeah, absolutely. That was like, I literally just finished it two nights Mm -hmm. ago and I was so sad that it ended. And I, I just, I just loved it. Well, it's been renewed. So, but we have to wait for another year, I think for season four, which is kind of depressing. I have one more too. So I've talked about this one before, and this is the documentary Country Music, which is a Ken Burns documentary. And so highly recommend that. You have to buy it. It's kind of expensive. If you have a good public library, you might be able to get it there too. So, Yeah. And so mine is Bikram. Mm, That was- Did you watch that? Yes. (laughs) So fascinating given our market, disturbing, disgusting, but like I did not know- all the backstory, who he was and how he, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't understand it all. I knew what Bikram Yoga was on the surface, but just to hear all those stories of the people that originally studied with him, fascinating. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Can tell that we like documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> Best purchase, Jenny. What did you buy in 2019? So I have two. And so one. You always have two. I cannot. Okay. <laughs> Choose Hence one. the shiny. Okay, I'll just do this one. So I'm wearing them just second day in a row oh, just because we're yeah. recording. So these are my Blackbird Dagger earrings. So these are made with Japanese seed beads and they're these just this beautiful pattern of earrings. I when I was doing a lot of craft markets and selling my candles and bath salts and oils last year at different markets. I met a woman in the booth next to me at Renegade Craft Fair in Seattle and she was wearing she's a jeweler and she was selling this beautiful jewelry that I also purchased some of. But her earrings like that she was wearing just I kept staring at her and she was it's probably like super creepy to have like the vendor next to you staring at your head all day. But I was like, did you make those earrings? Like where did you get those? And so she told me that this artist named Blackbird Dagger out of Santa Cruz, California makes them. Well, that's not her name, but that's the name of her brand. And so I've been watching them and like they sell out really fast. And Mm -hmm. this woman just makes everything by hand. And so, and they're very intricately beaded. And so I finally decided to order a pair from 
a shop in Portland and I had them mail them to me when I saw that they had gotten a shipment from her and I got them and I love them so much. And I thought I lost one of them a couple of weeks ago. Like I went to take them off at night and one of them was gone and I was so sad and I found it under my bed, which was like the <laughs> happiest moment of my year. So, you know, I don't normally like beaded jewelry, but they are truly beautiful. And I think she does it in a certain way. It's also her you know, with the colors and the patterns of the bead, but they're gorgeous. They really, really are. And I looked online and they're just, yeah, sold out everywhere. So good for her. Yeah, I know. One of those businesses where, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to just make something and it sells out like immediately. It's just what a, what a great, Mm -hmm. you know, business to have, you know, and she's this, like I follow this artist on Instagram and like I follow all these crafters and I followed her and I, you know, when you like really get excited about someone and you go like back in the archives of their Instagram account, like what were you like two years ago? And she was like doing all kinds of other art. Like she was not, it was very recent that she got into making these beaded earrings and these this beaded jewelry. And like clearly she didn't have the same kind of success in the other things she was doing. And I just think that that process is so important to look at because it's not like, oh, I have this idea and I'm going to make this particular kind of art or this particular kind of business and it's going to be successful out the gate door, you know, like with my first attempt, like she clearly had spent years like, oh, I'm going to carve something or I'm going to whatever. I don't remember exactly what she was doing, but like carving spoons or something. And that wasn't it. You know, that wasn't the thing that was going to make it. And then, you know, I think it's just, it's a testament to having to stick to your your craft and stick to your business enough and your instincts enough, like for a long enough time and just keep trying stuff until you find the thing that catches on. Yep. Dedication. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite purchase? Okay. So I just got this thing and I'm so excited about it. Moose knuckles. You probably have never heard of oh that. My God, this sounds so Canadian. <laughs> that sounds like the most Canadian thing you've ever talked about. It is totally Canadian. What is it? It's a jacket. It's a it's a company out of Montreal oh that makes like really warm. You've probably heard of Canada Goose. Not the animal, the jacket, the brand. Oh, no, I don't know. I've heard of the animal. All right. So in Canada, Canada Goose is a downfilled jacket and it's like everybody, not everybody, they're very expensive jackets, but they're very popular and especially popular in Korea and China some of the Asian countries. And it's super on trend right now, I guess, in, in Asia. And anyway, I needed a warmer jacket. And so I was looking at Canada Goose, but then I discovered this brand called Moose Knuckles. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And it's so long. It's like, it's so warm. Like if it's like minus five, I cannot wear it. It is so hot. And it's super long. It's like a tube of down, but I love the style. It's black. And my most favorite thing is all the details, the zipper gold. It's so nice. And so my husband says, so Sandy, do you know what a moose knuckle is? Like, it's the brand of my coat. He's like, no. Do you know what a moose knuckle, what that means? Like, no. So it's like when men wear their pants a little too tight. (laughs) Again, and so so Canadian. dies every time I wear this jacket and the logo, he just dies. But it's black, it's gold, it's long, it's warm. I love it so much. And today it's finally cold enough that I got to wear it and be comfortable oh in it. It sounds amazing. Well, for those of you who live in a cold enough climate to warrant a moose knuckle jacket, there you have it. <laughs> okay. Most influential person, Jenny? Okay. So the person, the influencer who influenced me the most this year was Nathan Latka, who is by all accounts, like 
a dude, like a tech dude. (laughs) But I read his book early in the year, which was How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital. And we've met Nathan a few times and had the pleasure of getting to know him just a little bit. And he's just a really, 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 really smart young man about business and technology. And so I really appreciate that perspective. I would say reading his book early in 2019 fundamentally changed the way we run our company and so many of the decisions that we've made. And I feel like absolutely he has influenced our brand more than anyone else. And his strategies just personally, like you and I went to a female founders event shortly after we both read his book and we were like approaching people to buy their companies. And it was just like, Anyway, it was just such a, an interesting exercise in having audacity and having confidence. It was authentic. It wasn't fake, right? It was like this real idea of acknowledging that you and I have built up certain skills and expertise and that we have so much potential that we haven't even ever considered, like even outside of the current company that we have. So I just really appreciated that boost of kind of like 20-something male tech energy into my mindset. And I, I feel like I need to revisit his stuff more and more. And he has a podcast and there's a lot of stuff that he does that is hard for me to listen to or watch. Mm-hmm. But I really respect him as a thinker and as a businessman. Well, I think what's interesting here is that absolutely Nathan Latka is turned us around in late first quarter, early second quarter. That book changed everything for us. And from the outside, looking at Nathan Latka, he is not a person that we should be following or listening to or having in any influence on us whatsoever. But we've met him numerous times. Like we've spoken with he is a wonderful, amazing, kind, quiet, introverted person, yeah, as he thinker. describes himself. But from the outside, you know, he's got a public persona, right? And it's not what you would think that Jenny and Sandy would be attracted to. And so I would somehow love the opportunity to at some point to sit down with him and tell him like that book changed so much for us. And, you know, like that book has a very small shelf life. Like it's, it's like super relevant for 2019, 2020, like it in five years, it's going to be irrelevant, right? Like other than maybe the attitude, but the numbers and the companies and the examples, because he gives so many numbers, like exactly how he made his wealth. So it's going to be outdated, but it's, fascinating what he does as a person. And so if you have not read it, we did make it a hustle at one point earlier in the year. You just get fired up listening to what he does, like all these bold moves, all these bold decisions. And it's like, hell, I can, we can do that. No, he does stuff like he has a Facebook live show and he talks about this in his book too, but he, Mm -hmm. he spent a day going to the food truck area in Austin, Texas. And was he's like, I'm going to invest in one of these businesses today. And so then he talks to all these vendors and then he just, he finds like some Thai food cart that he like, he thinks has a lot of potential. And he talks to the people and he's like, I'd like to invest in your restaurant business, you know, and like he makes an investment. He owns part of a food truck. Like it's, he's the kind of person that is like fundamentally a, like a business thinker to the core. It's not about like this one business or this one investment. It's it's about like mm-hmm. he has so many things going on. And he's, he thinks about bu- – I think business is such a game to him and it's such like a puzzle. And 
it's just like there's so much joy that he has in peeling back the layers and figuring out how the game works. And he's numbers driven. His mind is yeah, like I all just numbers. So appreciate it. And he tries to like find data and then resell it to other people and not in the sketchy Cambridge Analytica way, but in like no, the, no. the idea where he asks all these like software founders their num- about their numbers and then he like makes spreadsheets about it and then he like sells that to investors, you know, like that he just finds a business. He creates a business out of anything. And anyway, so for those of you who are struggling with confidence or mindset and you just want like a boost of adrenaline about what's possible, if you really want to, you know, take on this persona or this mindset of a business owner, a successful business owner, I recommend reading his book or just even watching him on on Instagram, his stories and stuff. Yeah. No, he's amazing. And we will tell him the story one day in person. Yeah. Next time we're all in Mexico hanging out around a pool. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. So that was earlier in the year. And then I, I think that the person that influenced us most in later in the year is Claire Pelletro. And she's a friend. She's been on the podcast. And I just appreciate her podcast where she interviews other business owners about what they make, how they make it. So it's so raw and real and puts things, you know, you, you think people are so successful and they're sometimes they're not making as much as you dreamed that they were or the way that they come across. I don't know. It's just so real. We also take in some of her recommendations for branding people and hiring. Yeah. We've hired some of her, her yeah. people. Yeah, which has been really good. She's gone through a massive branding change that is amazing. Her website is one of the nicest websites on the internet right now, clairepels.com. And so we were like, who did you, you know, like we'd start asking these these questions. So we are using a lot of her people. And so I think we will have some of those similar changes for us in the next coming months. But I think, yeah, just watching her really come alive in her business has been fascinating. And yeah, so Claire Pels. I love you, Claire, if you're listening to this. Okay, Sandy, so let's dive into favorite Instagram accounts. You go first. This is one I've just discovered recently. It is Alexandria's Lens. And I just, like, she's a photographer and she has these amazing photos, but then the, it's like a carousel, but then she shows you how she actually made these photos. And so, like, how she, you know, has her family standing beside a tree with a bucket and then a ladder. And so she makes these like magical enchanted photographs with her family, but she shows you the behind the scenes. And I, I think it's so cool. It's just, they're beautiful. They're obviously, you know, edited and you're like, how did she do that? And then she shows you. Yeah, it's like fairy tales. It's really beautiful. When you show that to me, I'm just looking at it again right now. It's just it's like turning your life into a fairy tale. It's definitely art. I mean, this is somebody who gets a lot of joy out of creating art. And it's it's really neat. Yeah, it's so, so much cool. work. But yeah, it's incredible. Okay, well, my Instagram, favorite Instagram account right now is the opposite of that. <laughs> it is not yeah. beautiful in any way, but <laughs> it makes me laugh and smile. And that's something that I think we all need right now in the world. And so it's just dude with sign. And I'm sure most of you have come across his stuff already. It's just like so funny. 
It's a guy who writes really obvious like critiques of our culture, <laughs> writes it on like a sh- with a Sharpie on a piece of a cardboard box and stands outside in crowded places. Like someone takes his picture. <laughs> it's just like the best. Do you know he has 11 posts only? Yeah, and he has like millions of millions of followers already. 184,000 oh, followers. Oh, 184. So yeah, I thought it was like millions. But yeah, he's- but 11 posts. No, like they, they just, just got go. started. Just, Dude with sign. I mean, I feel like I just noticed him in November or something. I don't even know when he got started. Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. There's a dudette with sign. Oh, That's no, what no, I was looking at. No, no, he has 2.6 million followers. Oh, my God. What is this? But dudette he, with sign just He only just has 29 him. posts, and he has 2.6 million. 29. 2.6 million followers, and it is like, I mean, some of his stuff is not funny, and it's political commentary, but some of it is just like the funniest, most obvious thing in the whole world. And I just, I don't know, like, I don't even know how... How he thinks, like, like stop. These are all things that irritate yeah, us. Stop posting entire concerts on your story. <laughs> you know, like, stop using group pics in your dating profile. It's just so funny. It's so funny, and and like, why does it feel like Mercury is always in retrograde? <laughs> like, it's just so. <laughs> it's just we need that, I think, in our culture, and so much of those kinds of memes and those kinds of thoughts are just digital. They're just like somebody posts it in a digital place, and it's so it's like this real work of art that somebody takes a pen to cardboard and writes it down and goes and stands somewhere. Like, there's something that makes that different than just seeing some funny post on a Facebook feed. You know, like I, I, I'm trying to understand what's different, even though we see it digitally, like the representation Mm -hmm. of it is digitally, Mm -hmm. except for those few people that see him in New York holding the sign up wherever he is. I don't know. I just think it's such a, it's like, it reminds me of Marcel Duchamp with the like urinal, the piece of art, you know, like turn of the 20th century, like that, that was this like radical Mm -hmm. form of art. Like, I think this guy's an artist, at least it's also like his expression and he's just standing there and all the crowd is just ignoring yeah. him. That's also like nobody's actually looking at him, but he's got like millions of followers on Instagram. I don't know. I just, I think it would be a riot to talk to him about how he came up with this. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's great. I'm sure most people have seen it because it's like re reposted and re whatever all the time. Yeah. But I just appreciate somebody that can make me smile. So I'm sure he's bringing a lot of like joy, you know, like little moments of joy to people's lives because just his art is funny. And I like funny sometimes. Okay. We're going to go to the best decision of 2019. What is yours, Jenny? Okay. Do I really have to only have one? (laughs) No, because I kind of have two, but they're related. Okay. Well, I have like a personal one. And a work mm-hmm. one. So my personal best decision is I took a vacation with my family. And it was really the first time I've taken a real vacation with my family, maybe ever, because I'm a workaholic American. And so that's very American. We took like a, a more than a week to go to Southeast Alaska. And I just had such a fun time. And I don't know, I like I didn't have cell reception a lot of the time where we were. And it was just such a radical thing to be on vacation for more than a week. Like we've taken a weekend trip, you know, like we do fast things or we visit family or we visit friends. We go to weddings or we visit a baby when they're born. Like we do that, you know, It's but it's not this vacation. <laughs> it's such a radical Canadian, European thing to do. It's not radical. <laughs> That's like normal. And you need to make that not radical, but just like a normal expected Yeah, I know. Now I'm addicted to it. And so I feel like I have you to blame because I'm like, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> what have I been missing out Everyone on? Everyone outside of the US is like, 
what's her radical? No, like it's like the norm. It's expected. And if you don't do it, there is something seriously wrong with you. So I'm very proud that you did that. And we're going to work on making that like two to three weeks every year offline every summer. Okay. So what's yours? <laughs> After the Nathan Latka book, we made some decisions that really changed the trajectory of our business. And so we hired a new developer and we hired someone to help us on our team. And so those two decisions, I think, are very much a result of reading Nathan's book and everything changed. We got a, an incredible developer and we can move so fast now. And he's so good and so smart and so lovely to work with. And then we hired Joe, who was a member of our inner circle. And I just feel like freed a little bit. Like now we can really dream big. We can really make decisions and, you know, there's very little limiting us. So I think yeah, the best decision we made was to start hiring and to start spending some money. Yeah, I agree. So hiring is my other, my business related best decision of the year. And, you know, this is, this was really difficult for me to come around to because I in particular have heavily critiqued people hiring in the online business space before I feel like it makes sense. We obviously have all, like, we've always had people that work for us, but not to the same extent that we do now. And I feel like maybe we waited a little longer than we needed to, but I also feel really proud that we weren't just like hiring people left and right as we were growing, that you and I have been very conscious about making smart decisions when it's time to bring someone on and who that person should be. Because very early on, we weren't making the best decisions about that. We just weren't ready. Like we didn't know what we needed and who to bring in. It was just like was random. And so we cut our team a couple years ago, pretty in a pretty big way. And you and I have been primarily doing, I mean, 90% of everything since then, to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that we got to where we are with I mean, we, we had a dev team, and we we've had like some contractors doing some stuff for us, like podcast editing and stuff like that. But even like for a while, we were doing all of that in house. And now I mean, I think we have like three new people starting working for us this week. It's like well beyond the hiring that you talked about. And I think I feel so grateful and amazed of who's working for our company at this point. And we're just really ramping up. And I feel like we're, you know, grown ass women building a grown ass company now, you know, like for lack of a, a yeah. less raunchy way to say it. Like I think that's what's happening and we're ready. And we're doing it in a really smart way. And I'm really proud of us for doing it because you know, it's like go big or go home, right? And mm -hmm. at this, at this point, point, yeah, we're at this like really sweet place in business where we do have some revenue. Well, it's not some; it's <laughs> significant. No, no, yeah. no. But I mean, like in the in the early days, you're just like struggling, yeah. and you're you can hardly pay yourself, and like everything is a big major decision. And we're finally at this place where it's like, oh, we have some money now. We can like to okay, play what with. do we really yeah. want to? do. It's like the place that you try to get to so hard for so many years, like we have arrived. And now, like, now I can see how it can just like spiral up and up and up and up because the more that we invest in it, the more we're going to get back. 
but initially don't always have that money to to do some of these bigger projects, right? So it's such an exciting place. And I just listened to the last three episodes of our financial intelligence. And so if you want to know more about that, we talk about those decisions that we make with regards to money and like profit and paying ourselves first and then deciding based on what we have left over, not not building a team and paying them first and then like not being able to pay us. We've flipped that. So I think that's the reason that we're here is because we put all those principles into play last year after reading Nathan Lacka's book. Yeah. I mean, and so we're at the point now where we both have salaries that are bigger than we've ever made in any other, in any, any jobs or careers. Like we both have that and we are, are paying our team really well. And so we, and then there's now we have, you know, a left out over a, a decent amount of leftover funds where we can choose to either give ourselves more money or reinvest into the company. And I think like, we're like, wow, we're kind of set. Like we don't need that money personally. Like we're like, we've been giving ourselves pretty significant raises for a long time every month. And we're like, we have a salary rate. I think that both, it feels really good to both of us and same for what we're paying our team. So it's, it's at the point where we can, can hire new people and we can invest strategically in our company in different ways and build partnerships and take risks too, right? Because that's part of it. Like we also are at a place where we can stand to lose something because a lot of, you know, big changes in your business are risky. Like you don't know what's going to work. Like you might drop, you know, $20,000 on ads and it might not work out the way you imagined, or you might hire somebody to do something and the project might never get implemented because it ended up not being what you thought it was. Like there's those things that happen. And, you know, when that was happening earlier on in our company, it was devastating when things didn't work or you like accidentally lose $3,000 in a day on Facebook ads because you set something up wrong. <laughs> and now we're in the place where like, mm, you know, like obviously we don't want to like throw money away, but it's it's you have to get to a place where you can take risks. And I think that this is why companies take on venture capital, like a lot of companies like ours, because that's part of the process, right? Is like you have to have money to play with to see what's going to work. Like you have to be able to invest in like either new features that might not work or, you know, like might not be what your audience really wants or your niche really wants or like build up new, a new program that might fall flat. Like you have to have eventually if you want to get to that next level. And for us, it's like the multi, multi million level of just what's on our horizon in the next couple of years. Like we want to get to a certain place. Like I just see us with that like $20 million business goal, right? Like I see it there and we have to be in a place to take some real risks to grow our company to, to that place. And some stuff's not going to work and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a Seth We're Godin. Fail yeah. our way there. It's such a Seth Godin mindset, right? This might not work. And I think that if I could go back in time to like three years ago when we were really just getting started you know, in the current iteration of our company, I would just want to tell myself, you know, like it's going to take a while, but you're going to get there. And whatever failures you have along the way, they're not the end of it, right? Like there's nothing's going to break it. And so it's just going to feel hard and it's going to feel like, well, I didn't have that $3,000 to lose that day. You know, like that's going to still feel not great, but you just have to be willing to look at the bigger picture of your life. Like it's like if you're in school and you fail a test, right? Like who cares? I mean, it's devastating when it happens, but doesn't mean your life is over, your career is over, your education is a failure. Like you just have to be okay with things not working. Yeah. I mean, each of those, there's tiny steps to reach those goals. Some of them work, some of them don't. But if you 
like each one is critical to the next step. So the failures should be welcomed just as much as the successes because there's learning, there's confidence, there's like evolution of a person as an entrepreneur, you know, your thinking changes, like it all is important. Absolutely. Okay. So the next one is best article. I don't actually have one, Jenny. So this is going to be all you. Okay. So the best article I read, at least in the second half of the year, because I don't, my memory is not good enough to remember the first half of 2019 anymore, but it was The Ladders of Wealth by Nathan Berry on his personal blog. And Nathan Berry is the founder of ConvertKit. And he describes his own financial journey personally to building wealth and his career trajectory. And I don't agree with everything that, I mean, my experience looks really different than his, but he basically documents his wealth building journey from being like a kid working in a fast food restaurant to now running a hugely successful bootstrap software company and how like he went from one thing to the next, like to basically being like working for other people and then being a freelancer and then starting to make digital products and then starting to build a SaaS company. And I just think there's a lot of really, really smart insight in that article. And I've read it a few times and I have it bookmarked in my browser just as something to go back to because he's been really successful, but it also like took a long time, like so many years for him to get from one place to the next. And so I think it's again, another example of this takes time And even though he's wildly successful beyond almost anyone's dreams, like his company, if if you're building a business, like Nathan's company is what I think everyone hopes to have one day. It took him a long ass time to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean- It's true for everyone. It's true for everyone. I mean, unless you're, I think that there's people who go viral, right? Like there's people who get celebrity for a random reason and go viral quickly. But that is not sustainable growth and that's not a sustainable business. And maybe you can leverage that instant success or that instant fame into something else. But most people don't leverage it into something else. But you don't know what they were doing before they went viral. Like your earring lady, like she was worked for a long time before she got. Yeah. And I would say like her level of going viral is still like quite small, you know, compared to some of these other people we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, that's so true, right? Like you you have to consider somebody's whole story. So, you know, but there's like those like six-year-olds that are multimillionaires on YouTube because they like mm-hmm. unbox toys. Right. I mean, there's that right, stuff. Right. But like, do you really want, is that really what you want to make your money from? I mean, there's a, there's a whole- About six, yeah. When you're six, maybe when you're six. Mm-hmm. But then like the rest of your life is a disappointment. It's like those people that peak in high school, you know, like that was the peak of your life. Then what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's move on to best podcast. What is yours? Well, I would say the most impactful podcast for us this year is one that we're going to be re-airing this month. And it was one of our own episodes. And it, it's the value of a wife. I don't know what number it is offhand, but we'll put it in the show notes. That podcast got us a lot, a lot of feedback. <laughs> I think some of it was really positive feedback and some of it was pushback. And I'm not going to go into all of it because it's still a little raw for me. But I want to, I'm, I'm willing to bring it up in this episode just because if you haven't listened to it, I would say that it's one of the more raw conversations that you and I have ever had on the show and more controversial conversations. And I think it really affected a lot of people who listened to it. And I'll leave it at that. Yep, it was it was a big one. It was a pivotal one for sure. Okay, and so for me, the best podcast, this isn't a specific episode, but I'm really enjoying Unfuck Your Brain by Cara Lowenthal. 
And she kind of has this blend of like mindset and thinking and business with life and with feminist thoughts. And I really like her. I really admire her. And yeah, so that's that would be the one for me. It's, it's called Unfuck Your Brain. Yeah, we're going to have to use the explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we will. That's fine. Yes, so I also will give the caveat that when we discovered her and I started listening to her and she's a former lawyer and like Harvard Yale person. So I have like, I was like, wow, she seems really familiar to me. And I dug around and realized that I know her brother, one of her brothers. And so it's also like, he's like a super high achiever too. And I was, and he's a really brilliant guy. And so I was like, huh, small world. And I just keep getting blown away by how many former attorneys there are who are rocking it on the internet. And I I feel a little sense of pride. And most of those people are, again, like the word former being the important word there. And I, I feel this sense of connection and pride to all these people I don't really know because we have this really messed up way that we were trained to think about the world and we're somehow undoing that mess psychologically mm-hmm. and finding happiness and success in other ways. And I feel proud to be a part <laughs> even without talking to one another. She talks very openly about being Jewish in a family of lawyers and a lot of, you know, you're either a lawyer or you're a doctor in her family and she left it all. And so, but she's found massive success in in doing what she's, what she loves and is very talented at, right? I love like watching her and following her. I love her stories on Instagram. I just feel this sense of, you know, when I first started building Namastream, I felt really alienated and weird for being like coming from the world I came from and then doing this like random internet stuff, which at the time it's not random, but at the time I felt like embarrassed, you know, shame. You were going to be judged, right? I felt shame. And now I see so many other people doing this, like who are in the same world that I was in. And I feel like, huh, okay. You know, it wasn't just me to think that there was something wrong with that other world or that like that other world was dysfunctional and not a good fit. Because I think once you're, you've invested so many years and so much money in building a career in a certain way, you know, it's like, it's really bizarre to walk away from it. So that could be a whole other conversation. But Kara is a great example, like a really powerful example of someone doing yeah, that successfully. I really like her. Okay. Let's end with the words for 2020. And then we were going to share our special announcement. Okay. So my word for 2020 is expansion. Oh, Mine is explosion. That's so interesting. Tell me about why you're choosing explosion. I think like when we decided this, like that's the first word that popped into my head. And I think it's like, there's like noise and lights and it's big and it's loud and it's like coming. And like, that's what I feel like. We're just like, here we are world. Like we are exploding. I think the first, you know, whatever, four years, whatever it's been, it's like, we've reached a level of confidence and competence and now it's like we're unstoppable. Like there's always been a doubt, a little bit of question. Oh, I and now, like that word, unstoppable. That's a good unstoppable. word. Unstoppable. Yeah. But that's what it feels like. The momentum has like built up behind us that we are now unstoppable. We can take a few hits like you were saying earlier about risks and money and so on. And maybe some of these hires don't work out. Like, oh, well, we'll just find someone out. Like it's just like we're moving forward and we are going to be louder and bigger like an explosion. Hmm, I like it. I just feel like fireworks. <laughs> fireworks, yeah. yeah. Well, for me, expansion is personal too. I think just there's this idea of like feeling closed in and quiet and hiding and like my shoulders are like locked up to my ears and just this idea of this 
needing to stretch and grow in different ways. And I think that has to do with like being drawn back into really spending a lot of time reading and um, being outside and like being more physically active. And just in addition to all of the (laughs) explosive business things you're talking about, to me, it's also just like this stretching as a human that I feel like I've been hibernating. The rest of my life has been hibernating for a few years as I've kind of been intellectually focused on growing a company and, and becoming the sort of financial being I wanted to become, you know, it, it takes a lot to get there, right? And so once you're there, you can have a like a little bit of space to breathe and stretch in other ways. Yeah. Well, that's cool. We'll have to do this at the end of 2020 or beginning of 2021, which is so weird to say, and see if we exploded and expanded. Yeah. Okay. The big announcement. So yeah. we are here to say that this is actually the very last episode of the Soulful MBA podcast under its current iteration. The podcast will continue. We're rebranding and sort of redevising the show right now. So in the coming weeks, you will hear episodes being posted that were some of our favorites from the past until early February of 2020, during which we will launch our brand new show. And we're going to not really get into the details of that now. We're going to wait until the first episode of that show to introduce it. But it's not going to be radically different because it's still us talking to each other. But there are going to be some fundamental differences in the kinds of themes that we really focus on. I think we're going to be exploding. That's what we're doing. (laughs) But I I think I just want to make sure people understand that we're not stopping podcasting. We are changing. We are growing and expanding into something newer and bigger. So this, if you have subscribed, it will stay on this. Like we're just changing the name and the branding and sort of we'll talk more on the first episode about what our vision is for this new podcast. But we've just kind of outgrown Soulful MBA and we have some bigger, loftier goals with the podcast. And I'm not sure we can do it with sort of this, the main sort of idea behind Soulful MBA. So we're super, super excited. It's been in the works since Spring? Yeah, last spring. So yeah, it's an evolution. Just like every creature, every business needs to evolve. We've been doing this show for a few years, and you probably noticed that our episodes have gotten a little bit more sporadic because we've been feeling a need to distance ourselves from this podcast as it is. But we've really grown a lot as thinkers and as podcasters from doing this show. And we have, I think, a very good sense of of what the show is going to look like moving forward. So yeah, it's exciting. And we look forward to seeing you back in early February with the new show. All right. Thanks, Jenny. We will see you next time will be the new show. Yeah. Thank you all. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.